Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham, Scott, alongside, as always, hello, Scott. You are, hey, you are. Uh, <laughs> hi, Sean. How's it going? Well, it's uh, it's going good. I was just saying to you before we hopped on, I'm pretty busy. Sure. You know, busy, busy guy, uh, lots to do, but, you know, no big deal. No big deal. Because <laughs> curling season. Yeah. Just back. started. Yeah. Yeah. Curling is back. We, of course, went to the pre-pre-trials, which were held here in Ottawa. If you missed our recap of that, not just the results, but sort of what it was like in the building there at the new Performance Center here in the nation's capital. Check that out in the feed from last week. But at the same time, we also got to play as Rec Curling is back here in Ottawa. We play at the Ottawa Curling Club, which is the home club of Team Homan still. And uh, there, there was there have been some events there. There was a bond spiel this past weekend over at the Rideau Curling Club that we have also played at. I have been a member there in leagues. Scott, you've played there in spiels. And just a quick shout out, Team Hong Kong and our friend Jason, second place in that uh, WFG sponsored spiel this weekend. So good job by them as they get ready for their season as Team Hong Kong this year. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard uh, Brad Jacobs was in the building. He was with his gold medal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So very exciting times over there. Also kind of makes me optimistic that perhaps just maybe our spiel in January that we always play in could maybe go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. Get, so, the, get the gang back together. Yeah. After a year off from that uh, last year. So it is all starting to come together and, and we have played a couple games now together on our Monday team, Scott. And we wanted to talk a little bit about what the experience was like for us to play. We talked last year about the rules that were in place, the distancing, the masking, now, this year, of course, it's very different because here in Ontario, where we are based, there is the mandatory vaccination rules, which do exist in a lot of other provinces across the country. So that has changed a little bit about the curling experience during COVID. So we called up our friend Megan Huff, who is on our team on Monday. She's also the convener of the league, been on the show a couple of times before wanted to talk to her about what her experience was both playing with us on monday she also curls in a women's league on tuesday night so i had the chance to talk to her earlier and scott she had some very interesting things to say so let's get right to the chat with megan and then we'll come back and hear what you think about the return to play sounds good all right so here's my chat with the great megan huff All right, and Megan Huff joins me now, convener of the Monday League at the Ottawa Curling Club. Megan, how are you today? I'm doing very well yourself. I am doing wonderfully. Beautiful day here in the nation's capital. And we played earlier this week, our first game back. You've actually played twice. You played the next night in the women's league. So we just wanted to talk a little bit about how we felt being back on the ice at the rec level. Some of the rules that are in place to try to protect everybody. Now, I will preface this conversation by noting that these are Ontario-specific rules that we have to abide by here in Ottawa, but some of the things exist all across the country and in some of the places in the United States where I've seen. So this is more of a general conversation about what's going on at the rec level and how we feel participating in curling matches as we hopefully start off a full season. So Megan, just in general, could you tell me before Monday night, which was her first time out, what was your feeling going into this season? Um, I was really happy and excited at the thought of knowing that I'm going to leave my house twice a week. So that is yeah. maybe first and foremost for my own mental health and physical health. So excited about that. Um, excited that we are able to play a much more normal season than we had last year. We can have two sweepers in Ontario. We can have 
full, we were able to have full two hour time slots because the rules about how many people are in a building or how many people can be in one area at a particular time have been loosened just enough that we don't have to shorten the draws in order to have, you know, entry and, and exit procedures in place. So I was excited to come back to something somewhat more regular. Uh, and I just, I mean, I always love being on the ice. So just happy that we're getting to curl again. Okay, so that's kind, I think, where my head was a little, I, I was a little apprehensive too, just after having seen what happened more in the men's league than in the, the open league that you and I play in. Uh, just the lack of concern for a lot of the uh, the rules that were in place last yeah. season. I was curious to, to see what would happen this year. We should note too that uh, where we play, uh, it, it was announced before the provincial government put it in place, but there is a vaccine mandate to get in the club. So everybody mm-hmm. did have to show proof of vaccination to play. And now with most provinces here in Canada going towards a proof of vaccination program in some fashion, that will be the cases at, at most curling facilities across the country. So, uh, so Megan, you're the convener of the league as well. What was your role in setting up the the league schedule and, and how was it different for you compared to a quote unquote normal year with all the provisions that are in place? Well, this is where I have to start off by just giving a huge amount of credit and thanks to our match director, Alex Whistle and the rest of the curling club board. Uh, they really did all of the heavy lifting on figuring out what is permitted, what isn't, scheduling, uh, getting the teams together. Dalal, our manager, as always at the Ottawa, does a fantastic job matching teams, making sure we have full leagues, uh, getting people into the club uh, as either new members or returning members. So that really is the heavy lifting and that gets done by uh, other people and they deserve a huge amount of credit for it. My role really is when it comes down to the schedule itself for Monday night. So making sure that all the teams play each other, uh, figuring out who's in which uh, which division. So we're in an open ladder-ish format. So we have four flights, 24 teams, six teams per flight. So five games per round. So my job is to get all of that organized, to take by requests and try to accommodate them to the extent I can. Uh, I guess I owe a little bit of thanks to your brother. Uh, He made me up a spreadsheet when I became convener of this league four years ago now uh, that does some of the some of the math and some of the calculating for me. That's really, Mm -hmm. really my role. And to answer questions, if, you know, a team can't make can't make it. Can they reschedule, work with Dalal to try and find an extra spot, um, that kind of thing. And so this year, uh, one of the things that was a little more complicated, and there is a glitch in the system that I've got to spend some time uh, before our next game to fix, is it was decided that in order to try to continue to minimize touch as much as possible, I mean, my transmission is is relatively low in this pandemic, but still let's not take any unnecessary risks. Uh, So uh, the club decided to assign hammer and assign rocks to teams. And so to try and even that out when you have, you know, a five game round, it's not going to be even, but to try and make sure that it's you, everybody gets either three or two hammers and nobody gets four or one or five or no hammer. Uh, that's yeah. where we're trying to, to make it work out right now. That was the main, the main difference complication this year that I've had to work through. Yeah. It's interesting to me too, to think about say the, the trying to minimize touch points, which I get uh, just in general as, as a principle to keep people healthy, like even in normal times, just probably reduce touch points, uh, especially <laughs> in the winter time. So this is something that Usually there's a coin on the end boards, or I know some mm-hmm. curling facilities have wheels that you can spin. Like yeah. there, there's a hundred ways to, to do it. And yeah, you could just do rock, paper, scissors rather than have to go through the trouble of assigning it. Uh, it and colors like I, I'm sure some people, I'm sure there are some people who we play against who will swear that they track rocks and they know exactly <laughs> what each set of rocks is going to do. Uh, I think that's nonsense at our level that nobody plays enough with the rocks to really know what they're doing and no one's really paying that close attention especially that everyone throws differently uh you know this isn't the briar the scotties where i think you might be able to track rocks uh, not so much at our level so it it doesn't really make that much of a difference and it it just seems like an additional headache for really little little gain 
Yeah. And we were talking earlier, there's, there's something else that it took me a while to, to, to figure out why I didn't like assigned hammer. And I think what I'm missing is part of the, the game for me is kind of your, this is a collegial sport. So I love the fact that you actually have to work with the other team to get the game started. So your, mm-hmm. your vice or your lead, depending on what part of the country you're in, has to flip a coin with the vice or the lead from the other team. Uh, and you actually have to work together and kind of say hello and cooperate in order to start the game. Uh, and I, I like that. I think there's that's part of the culture of curling, that we're not just kind of two teams in our own silos. We actually are on the ice together. Uh, and the yeah. other thing that bothers me is also when you assign hammer, as I was saying, it can't be 100% even just because of the size of our particular leagues and our, our flights. And so there's if it can't be perfectly even and perfectly fair, I would rather let it be chance. I would rather play rock, paper, scissors or, um, you know, we flip a coin, but, you know, you have to bring your own coin. So you're not touching a common coin, something like that. Um, I personally hope we can go back to in a year or so when things are uh, hopefully either over or we've reached a steady state with with however COVID is going to to affect our, our lives. Yeah. So another thing that is related to that is that the Ottawa facility, and I think this is the case at a lot of uh, curling places around the world, really, is that we're starting to shift more and more to online ways of doing things. Uh, certainly schedules were where we are, and I know other places where I've played, were already posted online, but now mm-hmm. it's online only, online recording systems for scoring as opposed mm-hmm. to the little pencil on a string uh, on the, the bulletin board after the game where you put who wins. So we're seeing, we're seeing facilities shift to more of the online way of doing everything. Uh, you know, it's a little behind maybe some other sports where this was already the case, but certainly we're seeing this locally. We've seen it more and more. How do you feel about the shift to online for so much compared to what it used to be? And frankly, catching up potentially to other forms of recreational activities in that regard. That's a very leading question, but I agree with you. So I'll, <laughs> I will allow it. Uh, no, I think we are catching up. I, I love moving things online as far as recording. Uh, I think it, it helps simplify things a little bit on the back end. I don't have to either you know, wait until the late draw on the Monday of the, the end of the round is over and stay and take the sheet or wait for uh, it to get posted. Uh, it can just kind of happen much more automatically, eases the burden a little bit on the manager or whoever is is helping the manager to post them to kind of take the manual score or put them back on. Uh, so I, I really enjoy that. So whether we can trust everybody to, you know, keep the link handy to put in the fillable form or whether we're going to have to do, as I, I think the Rito and other clubs in town, they actually have a, a station set up. So again, that mm-hmm. that's maybe not right now because of all the touches, but maybe in future, you can go to a point where people just input it right then and there on the spreadsheet as they come off the ice uh, directly up onto the system. Uh, the one thing I do miss, we have a beautiful board at the Ottawa that is set up for uh, you know each game and each draw to say this team versus this team. I kind of like having that because quite frankly, I don't like having my phone on the ice. So if I didn't think to check or if I forgot who I'm playing or what sheet I'm on, I kind of like having it right there. So that might be something that we can can go back to, but as far as recording the games, oh, it's, it's fantastic to see it up online and to have that happening quickly. Yeah. And, and it's just easier to, if you're trying to figure out at the end of a draw, like what, who's might move up, who might move down, uh, having it all there in real time or nearly real time. It makes that a lot easier. Uh, when we play that game of who, what, what's going to happen. And like, <laughs> uh, usually like never turns out the way we think it will. So, but it's fun to play the game. You know, it's the, the who's doing what. Uh, so another thing that you noted too. Now, the four of us who, who we play on Monday nights, and this does include Scott, who has bailed out and just crushed our <laughs> dreams today. Uh, he, he, we play uh, also with Chris Griffin, who is an artist mm-hmm. here in town. If you want to check out his stuff, it's always really fun to see Amazing the new stuff, stuff yeah. coming out of uh, Chris, ChristopherGriffin.ca. Shout out there. And we decided last year when it was possible to stay after the game for a drink, the four of us decided as a team, we weren't going to. So none of us did at least on Monday night. And the rules in Ontario right now are such that you can dine indoors. So the clubhouse is open for post-game 
socializing. We did not do that on Monday, I think partly because we went out before the game uh, to a patio and partly uh, just I haven't eaten inside yet anywhere, so I'm not sure how comfortable I am at this point. But one of the changes that comes along with that, the club is recommending that nobody buys drinks for the other team, right? One of the great traditions, certainly in Eastern and Central Canada, not so much in Western Canada, but is the winner buys for the loser. That's just part of the congeniality of the sport. And in Western Canada, it, at least in, in where I've played in Saskatchewan, it's always been, you, know, you buy your own, but you still sit with the team that you played against. But that whole socializing post-game thing certainly has changed over the last year and a half. So what is your initial reaction to that? How has your women's team responded to the recommended changes by the Ottawa Curling Club? And just what is your overall feeling about the post-game environment as we sit here in uh, late September 2021? Well, I think also we played the late draw on Monday. So it's it's not, not always appealing to get off the ice at 1045 and have a half hour walk home and stay for a drink. Yeah. Um, so yeah. and, we, and sorry. And, and I would also like to say we played a full eight ends for the first time in, we well, 18, at least 18 months and probably even longer. Cause in the month leading into the closure in 2020, we were just getting drilled every week. So <laughs> the, the odds of us having played an, a full eight end game, it might even be like two years since we played a full eight end game and we didn't need to mathematically, but I, and I don't begrudge the other team. Uh, we were up by five, and we ran them out of rocks, but we played the entire end because we haven't played any like really in a year and a half. So why not? But uh, so it was a little later of a finish than maybe we might have expected. So that that does factor into it for sure. But sorry to cut you off. No, that's OK. Um, though we did. We actually played that game within two hours. So that was actually kind of fun. Yeah. But my ladies team, we we did get off the ice a little bit early. Uh, but if the ladies at the Ottawa plays at 630 every week, which makes it a little bit easier to stick around for a bit afterwards. So the tables are set up uh, so that, you know, you there's one person on each side of a, a square or kind of separated on a, a round table. So and just just your team. So it was quite comfortable, actually, for the four of us to sit and chat. And we have a new teammate this year. So it was great to, to spend a little more time getting to know her. Uh, and so that wasn't that wasn't too bad at all. And we have quite a large uh, area. It's used as a banquet hall sometimes so you, for people to picture. So the tables themselves were also spread out. So I didn't feel uncomfortable at all sitting there uh, with my three teammates. I'm not sure if, you know, the tables are a little more crowded and, and you have your your other team, your opponents with you. It would definitely have felt a little more crowded. I'm I might have stayed, but maybe not as long. I'm I'm still kind of feeling out what I'm I'm comfortable with, and I'm grateful that I have something like the curling club where I can go and and try a few things and see how it feels. As far as the buying of the drinks, I'm I just hit the two year anniversary actually this week of buying my house, so I'm still feeling a little house poor. And quite honestly, <laughs> the idea of only buying my own drink uh, is is a bit of a relief to me. Uh, so there's. Mm-hmm. There's something there, uh, just the the financial burden for for people who either don't drink or who like to curl but don't have a lot of disposable income. Uh, I think that's something that we should think a little bit about as a curling community and what that does to to like what kind of burden that puts on people uh, and how that affects the rest of their their time and their lives. So you don't want to have somebody who would would stay and and have a drink but doesn't really have the spare cash and so heads out instead of sticking around to socialize without drinking or without having to buy two drinks. Um, and I rarely stick around long enough for a second drink since I curl I curl on two weeknights, right? So two work yep. days. Uh, so even if I do buy the two drinks, I'm rarely there for the reciprocal second drink. So I do right. think just in general, this might be a moment for uh curlers to think about that particular tradition. I'm I do hope that we get back to sitting with your opponents because I think that's something that's important and part of how uh, the game really is a collegial sport and it is a community and you can't really build community if you're only sitting in your little with your little four person bubble. Uh, so I do hope that changes, but I think the buying of the drinks might actually I've I think I've come around. I've lived out west as well and found it shocking <laughs> that you didn't. Um, <laughs> by your opponents around uh but i think just i think we need to rethink that for a couple of other kind of social reasons now 
Yeah, I think that's all very well said. I think, too, when you think about sitting with the other team, it's one of those things that I really noticed last year that you didn't get a sense of, of congeniality with the other team because you had to stay so far apart on the ice and then leaving mm-hmm. right after. Uh, you didn't really get a sense of, of the other team, which where we play wasn't that much of a problem because you can't, everyone it doesn't change that much. Everyone is pretty much the same year to year. So it wasn't that much of an issue. And there are a couple of teams who, frankly, I, I don't mind not sitting with uh, after a game, if uh, if I'm being totally honest. But in general, I, I agree that it, it didn't feel as friendly last year because you missed that element. And if there was contention on the ice, which in our case happened once uh, mm-hmm. with one of those teams who I don't mind not sitting with, uh, it doesn't get kind of resolved or it, it, there's not that realization of, oh yeah, this doesn't actually matter uh, what happened on the ice. So it, it kind of lingered a bit in, in a sense. So uh, I, yeah, I don't necessarily, like I, I kind of miss it, but I kind of don't. Uh, and in terms of the finances, yeah. So I keep a spreadsheet of all the games that I play just because I'm curious at the end of the year, uh, wins, losses, points for, against. And then I also keep a tally of what I spend at the bar because mm-hmm. that feels like a relevant detail. And I, I keep track of all the spending associated with curling, but I have a specific category for the bar. So in the 2019-2020 season, the season that was cut short, in all of my trips to various curling facilities around the greater Ottawa area, I spent $465 at the bar. And uh, so that's buying drinks for myself, buying drinks for other people. Uh, and, you know, at, at Bond Spiels, I would buy a, a round for a team here and there too. Like, so, so all of the spending in total, 465 And yeah, that, that is a, could be a significant barrier to somebody coming in and wanting to play recreationally once a week, mm-hmm. just come in and play it to, to have an additional losing record as well. So (laughs) at least one team that had a losing record. So you weren't buying as much as you might have. Yeah. And and I'll say this too. I put in every night what I spend every night and there are a bunch of zeros here too. Uh, Like there are a bunch of nights where I didn't have anything or the person who I was playing and when we lost, didn't want one and I didn't feel like a second one. Like there's a lot of zeros here uh, on that. So it, it adds up and it can add up quick. Now there's also like a, there's an 80 on here uh, from <laughs> one day during a bond spiel. So, I mean, that kind of uh, shifts it a little bit. But in general, uh, you know, you're looking at a, a significant add on there. And and then there's also the reality of I, I think current facilities have done a better job in recent years of, of monitoring and trying to ensure people aren't over consuming and then driving. But that is certainly yeah. an issue or has been an issue traditionally at, at facilities across the country. So that is something that I think might change here in Eastern Canada. It's one of these things that we, we've talked on the past on the show about what COVID precaution or not precaution, what COVID protocols will stay. I kind of think that is going to be one. I, I think you'll go back to sitting with the other team at some point, but the purchasing for the other team, that, that might be one of those things that we don't see again. And no, I'm okay I with agree. it. Yeah. And I think I will be too. I'm, I'm not, this is one of those things that I don't think I would have thought of pre pandemic. I just was, no, this is how it works. Uh, but I think this is a, a good moment to stop and rethink that particular practice. And I mean, it's a good yeah. moment to stop and think a, uh, about a lot of Everything. our practices, but this is one of yeah. the ones that I, I do think might actually stay. Yeah. It's one though too, that I wonder what the impact on revenues for the club would be because there's almost a force spend there after the game where if you don't feel compelled to do that i wonder if revenues would go down uh, and go down enough that it, it would affect other aspects of the the curling facilities and they have to maybe raise dues which they probably have to do anyway in most parts of the country but if that is a significant enough change in the culture that it, it does force a overall change to the business model that'd be interesting but again we're the country's kind of divided in this practice. So curling centers yeah. in Western Canada have managed just fine with this system. So it might be a, a small adjustment, but I don't think it would, I don't think this would be the, the straw that breaks the back of at least the Ottawa curling club. Uh, all right. Let's talk also then mm-hmm. about uh, masking. This is another thing that our team decided last year, the four of us and mm-hmm. the team that I play with on Thursdays decided last year that we would mask. We didn't talk about it explicitly this year. We just wore them. And mm-hmm. uh, I think I counted, if you count the four of us, 
there were like seven people on the ice wearing masks, I think. I think there uh, were, there and, were three, three other people. One of them was the club president. So he probably feels a yeah. fair amount of pressure to wear one himself. Yeah. So yeah. limited masking during the game. Mm-hmm. I, I think people were pretty good for the most part in the locker room, in yeah. the lounge from what I saw. Uh, not that I paid too close attention, but I think people were generally okay uh, mm-hmm. doing it in that respect. But how do you feel about masks? Uh, not mandatory on the ice because curling inexplicably to me is deemed a, well, like a high intensity high sport. Intensity. Like, okay, uh, sure. <laughs> um, like, yeah, Kevin yeah. Cooey really looks like he's out of breath there a lot uh, with that high intensity. Come on. Uh, give me a break. Well, I'll, I'll uh, give you but... a little bit more detail is I played in the ladies, as you said, on Tuesday. And yeah. my team decided in advance that we would wear our masks on the ice. And there was, I think, only... There's one other woman I saw wearing her mask the entire time, and she happens to be a healthcare worker. And I don't remember noticing anybody else wearing a mask the whole time. So on Tuesday nights, I skip. So I it really does not matter to me uh, whether I'm wearing a mask or not. And one of my teammates was more comfortable with a mask on. So we all agreed we would, and, and it's not a difficulty. I do have, though, a mild case of asthma. And if you remember our first game with masks last season, I mm-hmm. very nearly had an asthma attack on the ice because just the type of mask I was wearing, the air got very humid very quickly. And it was very uncomfortable for me, kind of a single sweeper. I think we were only three that day, too. So I was sweeping three rocks in a row. Uh, yeah. And I I would not have been able to continue like that. So I had to try out a couple of different masks to find one that, I mean, probably has less protection, but is was capable, like I was able to sweep in it for those short bursts and having the second sweeper this year, uh, makes a big difference as well. So, um, I, so we'll, we'll be fine wearing masks on, I'll be fine wearing a mask on Monday as well. There may be some moments where I have to kind of take it off and catch my breath and then put it back on. So there are, there are going to be some people who really will be uncomfortable in the masks and with the double vaccination policy, I'm, less uh, concerned than I was last year when I saw some of the practices, some of the nights with yeah. people just full on not wearing masks, but the, the risks, it, it's one of those things, right? We're, we're now at a point where we know that we can't eliminate the risk. So what is the reasonable risk and what, what are we all comfortable individually with as far as risk level? Um, so if, if nobody else on either of my teams had wanted to wear a mask, I probably wouldn't be, but I'm also not in any way concerned about wearing a mask on the ice and I'll, I'll very happily continue to wear it. Um, so yeah, it's, but it, it is interesting because I, I am one of the people who I, I wasn't sure I could handle a mask on the ice at the, the outset, at least on the, the nights that I'm sweeping, but uh, it took a little time to find the right kind of mask, but now I'm fine. Yeah, I, I think I feel the same way as you. Uh, last year, the first night was a, a mess. I didn't have the right glasses on. My glasses kept falling off. Uh, you know, it took some some trial and error to figure out what I could do, what what would work just visually for me. And I, I figured it out over time. Uh, so I'm not too concerned about wearing the mask. I figured out the fogging issues in, in that regard. And for me, it's the same. I, I'm last year. I was mad when people weren't wearing their masks because numbers were going up here. And I didn't obviously want to get COVID and it's not hard to wear a mask. This is what I don't, I don't really understand is that it's not a difficulty to, while you're standing there, if you, if you don't want to take it off when you're sweeping and catching your breath, I'm okay with that. Skips, knock it off skips. Like just, you can wear it. It's not hard. Like you're not doing anything. Give me a break. Uh, I like being dismissive of skips. That's one of my favorite things on the show. Uh, but like, you're just standing there. It's, it's come on. Uh, and, and, you know, and me is saying, you know, this is, this should be a fantastic exercise in communication for teams. Yes. You're going to have to, to learn how to use hand signals. You're going to have to learn or, or establish a system where you're waving a broom or you're, you're holding your hand up in one way or another in order to know whether to sweep or not. This is actually a wonderful teaching moment for all curlers and all curling coaches. Yeah. And you know, the, the, Example I like to use is Jennifer Jones played in a mask last year in an event 
I certainly made the playoffs. I can't remember if she won it or not, but I mean, you're not better than Jennifer Jones. So, and she can wear a mask and skip. So you can as well. But again, I don't feel as angry this year or as apprehensive about people not wearing masks because of the double vaccination policy that's in place. But part of it too is, you know, it's the risk assessment as you were talking about, what risks am I comfortable taking? And also who am I comfortable taking that risks for? So it's a case of, recognizing that there is going to be risk in in play and I don't want to have to be stuck in my apartment for two weeks. Like that's honestly kind of where my head's at with it, right? Like my apartment sucks and I I want to leave it. Uh, I used to love it. I've fallen completely out of love with my apartment, but it's one of these things where, you know, what risk is acceptable to me that could cause me to stay inside for two weeks. And to be honest, playing against, team McGurr isn't one of them. Like, so like, so I'm going to wear the mask out there uh, because that's a place where I can do it. For me, it's relatively easy. And if I can minimize that risk in that setting, then it makes me more comfortable and I can't control what other people do. I can only control what I do. And I will note too, that I hate masks in general. Uh, I don't like, I don't like wearing them. It's not fun to wear them, but it's also not difficult for me uh, to wear them. So I will continue to wear them. And I'm happy that my team at least will wear them because you can kind of keep distance from the other team a little bit oh, and yeah. uh, and just sort of do, do your own thing. So that that's the way I look at it. And I do think that just from a curling perspective, the additional challenge of communication, as you said, I think it's actually good for us as a foursome to maybe be more conscious about how we're communicating or frankly, how we're not communicating and that could potentially improve our, our team dynamic uh, as we address that moving forward. So, you know, there's, there's a positive in that regard. So overall, I, I'm going to continue to wear it and I will encourage my teammates to continue to wear them. But as I said, I can't control anybody else. So that's uh, that's where we sit with that. And I think that's going to be the case pretty much at all facilities across the country and certainly in the U.S., depending on what state you're in, I'm sure there would be a, a different level of mass compliance. And, and in Europe, I, I'm not entirely sure what the rules are over there, but I think that's going to be the case moving forward that it's really going to come down to individually what people are comfortable with, what you are comfortable with going out there and doing and making sure that you feel that you are as safe as you can be and, and you're comfortable playing. And that's, I think, just moving forward, how we're going to have to deal. Because as you said, COVID is here. It's not likely to go away, certainly in the short term. So we just have to assess how we want to address it in our own individual risk assessments. Absolutely. And one thing that I've been very happy with in the two days so far and in the feedback that I've heard uh, or the lack of feedback I've heard from the members of the league on Monday, who like they might actually send me emails about this because I am convener. Nobody has complained. Uh, so people are very understanding of the fact that this is real that it is a real risk and that people will have different comfort levels and so i'm i'm very happy that just the the community of the ottawa curling club has been quite accepting of the rules i think maybe there's always going to be one or two people but it's it's been a good experience so far and people have been very understanding of the club and of the fact that you know we we are following public health guidelines we're following ontario curling guidelines uh, and so people have been very understanding and very willing to do what's necessary to be able to have a season all right so the big question then is you've played twice i've played once and we've talked a little bit about our experience but the big question megan is it fun is curling in this environment still an enjoyable fun time that is worth the expense, that it's worth the late nights when you play the late game? You know, it, is the experience still worth it? Because one of the things that we've seen anecdotally, like I will admit that fully anecdotally, but last year when a lot of places did not open or had shortened seasons, as was the case with us, people now, as we, as we come into the fall, aren't signing up, aren't playing because they say, well, I didn't really miss it last year. And the the impetus to go back, especially in this environment, isn't there. So that leads to the question of, is is it worth it? Is it fun? So what what is your assessment after two games? Yes, I had a blast both nights. And I think especially it, 
curling isn't what it was last year. It's not the shortened games. It's not the kind of weird dance and not knowing where you have to stand on the ice. That wasn't fun. Uh, I was doing it because I didn't want to, again, lose the opportunity to leave the house twice a week. Uh, but this year, I, I did enjoy my two games. I enjoy my teams, my teammates immensely. And so just to be able to get out to see people, uh, to have that little bit of exercise, to remember ha- that I actually can fully stretch my body and not be in too, too much pain the next day. Um, that was all absolutely worth it. And it will be through the season for sure for me. Okay. That's uh, that's good to know. Uh, I, I feel this slightly the same way, maybe not as enthusiastic. I had more fun on Monday than I had any night last year. Uh, last year was just really full of anxiety and uncertainty and what is happening. Yeah. And, uh, and, and when it shut down in December, I wasn't like, who knows if, how I would have felt had we been playing in January, February, and March. But in the moment I was like, I, I, I just don't like, there was never a feeling of I've got to go play. Right. It, it never struck me that way, especially f- to be, to be honest, once the Rideau Canal opened here in Ottawa, uh, that was my sort of on ice recreation. Uh, not that we had a great canal season here, but that, that provided that outlet for me and it was outdoors and it made me feel slightly more comfortable, but yeah, it was way more fun on Monday night. And I got to say like, and I don't know why, but not having to like go upstairs and like already be dressed in your stuff before you go, like that little thing helped. It made it feel slightly more normal. Mm -hmm. Uh, in, in that sense, I felt like there was more discussion amongst us, more casual discussion than there was last year, uh, because of the spacing issues, so I agree that it was more fun. We've learned a little bit how to deal with everything around COVID. And uh, so the experience was not as much of a learning experience on Monday, but more of a let's just go play experience. So I, so I agree in that regard. I do think it'll take a little more time before it gets to a greater semblance of normalcy for me. And uh, I'm curious to see what the men's league is going to be like. Uh, I haven't had that first game yet. So we'll have to see how that league goes because uh, last year with a new teammate on on that team, it, it really felt strange. Mm. Like I, I feel like I never really got to know the new guy on the team. So it, it'll be interesting to see how we play the four of us uh, this year with another lineup change, though. So a player who didn't play last year didn't feel comfortable was coming back who I played with before. So okay. I think that might help in that regard. So overall, I think it was more fun, not quite normal levels of fun. But I, I felt more relaxed, and I'm hopeful that this year we don't get shut down throughout the season. We can just have a normal season where we go out and play. And, and you look around and, and see what's going on in other parts of the country, and you, you just hope that the numbers here can continue to be low. Uh, but then you look at what's going on in the United States and sort of the, the reaction there where there's just you know yeah. more normalcy there than there is here. Uh, so, so who knows what's going to happen, but at least now in the short term, as we sit here after the first week, uh, a greater level of fun. I was just going to say, we're, we're very lucky in Ottawa. We have one of the highest rates of vaccination in the province. So yeah. I think that also is a comfort. It keeps, again, it's all about level of, of risk and, le- and comfort level and, and what risks you're willing to take based on what else is happening in your life or who else is in your life, what job you have. Uh, but that's an added level of comfort that uh, we do have a very high vaccination rate in Ottawa. Yeah, nothing like being a government town and everyone following the, <laughs> the government's yeah. rules because they're the ones who set the rules. So, of course, they're going to follow them. Yes, but Ottawa does have a, a high vaccination rate. Uh, and just finally, a little curious, too, that you said you had a lot of fun on Monday. You couldn't walk on Monday. I know my shoe just awkwardly. I don't know if it was the sock, whatever. There was a blister and it was going to. Yeah. So skipping on Tuesday helped that. And I'm sure (laughs) I will will either have a very well padded heel or uh, healed heel by the time Monday comes around. Good. Because it it started with your gripper, your your non-sliding foot. You were slipping all over the place. Yesterday. So I think it's one of two things. Either having my curling shoe in a very dry basement for 18 months just kind of impacted the stickiness. 
of the my gripper foot or it was the fact that i haven't worn real shoes on a regular basis in <laughs> 18 months and i just had completely forgotten how to walk in real shoes so one of those mm. two things uh caused a bit of uh a, a bit of awkwardness on monday night yes. which did not take away from the fun of actually being out and on <laughs> yes and it helped too i, I posted a picture on uh, the game of stones instagram with the scoreboard it was a weird scoreboard but at least we were on the the winning side of it where both teams give up fours back to back and it, it was a scoreboard of teams that hadn't really played in a while yeah, it was fine. We looked across the board and it was there were several very high scoring games, right? So yeah. I don't think we were the only ones in that situation. Uh, so, yeah, it was very strange. So uh, that is our experience coming back to play. Uh, hopefully uh, everyone out there feels safe and secure as well. So, uh, Megan Huff, thank you so much for joining us today and, and all the best in the 2021-2022 curling season. Absolutely. And we will see you on Monday on the ice. All right, so there's my chat with Megan Huff. Now, Scott, uh, unfortunately, you were previously engaged during that discussion. So curious to know what you think uh, after having listened to that and just what your experience has been. We have played another game since I talked to Megan. Uh, the result of that game is uh, not important, but we did play another game. So, Scott, what is your initial sense being back out there? What's your comfort level? How are you feeling about this 2021-2022 recreational curling season? So, um, a little bit like Megan, I'm, I'm surprised that as few people are wearing masks as are, Mm uh, especially when you're skipping, I've been playing front end. Like I am starting as lead for our team this year and, you know, sweeping six rocks in a row with your mask on is hard that that's hard to do. If I'm doing it, like the skip standing in the house can wear a mask like that's i i don't think it's a big deal to wear a mask no now of course it's not mandatory we are in a a recreational facility and everyone's vaccinated so in theory it should be fine and like like megan i'm not worried about getting sick because i'm vaccinated and and i feel pretty safe what what i'm worried about is uh i'm I'm going on a trip upcoming and you know you don't want to get sick and then not be able to do that or have to quarantine for a certain number of days. Uh, So those kind of risks, you know, as the season goes on, I might be more comfortable not wearing my mask, uh, especially last night I was uh, breathing pretty hard uh, Mm -hmm. for a few rocks in a row, had to take my mask down just to get some good air. But I felt okay doing that because the sheep beside us was empty. Yeah. So it was a little easier to get some space and do that. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you were, I mean, come on, there was at one point you're like, well, this rock's not getting in when we were sweeping together. And I was like, well, the hell with you. I'm just going to get it in myself. Yes. And you did. Well <laughs> <Yeah>. done. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, we'll see as the year goes on what, uh, what we think about, about masks going forward. So uh, there's that. The locker rooms being open is great. Um, I don't like having to carry my stuff in and out. Yeah. Uh, I know you do carry your shoes all the time. It's your broom that you uh, mostly keep at the club. Yeah. Broom and gloves, belts, pad or two. Uh, but yeah, like the stuff, the clothes I usually bring back too, just because I don't want them to stink. And mm-hmm. the, the shoes, just because they need to, or I've been told, the advice I've been given by people who know equipment is to make sure they dry out and uh in between games so they I, they don't dry out when they're in the locker so i don't mind taking a little duffel bag back and forth with that stuff it's it is though the broom and sort of those accessories that are easy to forget that i i like to leave in the locker yeah and like uh chris last night we were playing with forgot his pants because yeah he wore his pants to the club last week and then this week he said oh everything's in the locker <laughs> yeah. but forgot that he he left his pants at home so like i never want to get into that situation so i prefer to keep the stuff at the club uh so that's nice plus like you can get a little more interaction in the locker room uh with some of the people in the club that you don't get to see uh you know after the game as much anymore we haven't stayed for a drink after the game the rule is that you just buy your own drinks you don't buy for the other team uh the other team did offer us one last night which I guess tells you the result of the game. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know if I'm at that point yet where the risk, you know, of, of not being able to go on my trip 
is worth having a beer with uh, the guys after the game. I'll, I would have liked to to have a beer with those guys last night. Uh, they're pretty nice, but uh, so so that's something that we'll have to see about too. Uh, yeah, coming back. Yeah, but again, as as we talked about with Megan too, one of the, one of the things too is just maybe this is a reconsideration of the that idea of curling too that you buy for the other team as that could be a a limitation or a a restriction that prevents people from wanting to play if you don't drink if you don't feel comfortable in that setting um Mm -hmm. you know or or the financial reality of that maybe maybe that's a chance for people in the eastern part of the country where that is a thing to potentially reconsider that part of it that you just buy for yourself if you want to hang out and the other thing too that i was thinking about since i talked with megan is that it's still early enough in the year where it's warm enough. Patios are still open. I'm good wearing, you know, if it's even, you know, five, 10 degrees, wear a couple layers, put on a toque. I'm happy to sit outside. And especially given what we all went through over the last 18 months, like, and where I mm. live, what my living situation is without having outdoor space, I'm good to go do that. Like after say an early game, walk a block over and sit in a patio somewhere which is, is more appealing to me just not even from the safety side of it just from the i've been inside for a year and a half side of it yeah and and curling facilities are generally you know dark yeah <laughs> because they can't let too much sunlight in because it, yep. it can go into the ice so for sure yeah yes yeah, getting some outside space to sit uh, i'd be down for that so yeah. maybe after our next early game sean that I'm there for, which will be in November. <laughs> we, can, we can go sit on a patio. Yes. Um, so Scott, I finished off the discussion with Megan with this question. I'll ask you the same question. Uh, after now two weeks, uh, two games, Scott, is curling fun? I, I'll say yes. And I think it's more fun this year. Uh, we've got our two sweepers back. Uh, I know that it wasn't that fun last year you know, sitting out a shot, basically just standing there watching somebody else sweep. I was so cold Um, the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I've been sweating pretty good (laughs) after both our games. So, uh, I, I like that. Yeah. It's, it's fun throwing. Like I, I don't know. It just, I've been trying to get in better shape and I'm feeling good after the games, you know, I'm not, I'm not sore. Yep. Too sore. That's good. Uh, and I don't know, Sean, playing lead, uh, the shots are pretty easy. So uh, it's kind of nice. Uh, I feel like pretty proud of myself. Oh, I yeah. made, my, made my shots. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. But And when you miss, it doesn't feel like it matters as much. Yeah, yeah. Like I hogged one last night, but it's because we were on a, a spot in the ice where that had been lightning for us when we were sweeping. So yeah, that's why, back that's, a bit yeah, that's and, why it was hogged. Yeah, okay. Well, I pulled back a bit, I guess, and uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you've enjoyed it so far. And and you mentioned now you're going to take a month off from playing yeah. <laughs> after the first two games. We'll note this is not a vacation trip. This is a, a work thing that you have to go take care of. So it's not like you're living high on the hog and sort of flaunting any sort of travel rules. This is a requirement uh, for your profession. So just uh, sort of note that. Uh, But yeah, it's interesting to sort of think that even after two weeks, it is very different from what it was last year. And I know that across the country and and across the the United States and and our friends in Europe, different local situations at different places. And Mm -hmm. as we talked about last year, our, our main message would be do what you are comfortable with. Follow the local guidelines, whatever those are, uh, for safety and try to have as much fun with it as you can if you're going to go and play because the sport itself is still the same as it ever was. You know, each Mm -hmm. team gets eight, you throw them up and down and and you see who has the most at the end. So the, the things around it are a little different, but incrementally, at least in our case, it is getting better. It is starting to get a little more fun, starting to feel more comfortable out there. And hopefully we can get a full season in here in Ottawa and, and around the country and around really the, the world as we go through this 2021-22 season. So that's our take on it. Scott, uh, any last words for anyone who may not have stepped out there yet? So any sort of tips? Uh, stretch would be my tip. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, you haven't to use those muscles in a while. Uh, make sure you stretch. But uh, remember to have fun. Uh, curling is fun. And 
for for me, like uh, it's been a good workout yeah. for the first couple of weeks. Yeah, you forget how hard you work when you're out there uh, when you mm. haven't done it in a while, and. Don't be weirded out if the scoreboards look pretty strange in terms of who scores when, because if you haven't played in a long time, those scoreboards are going to look pretty wonky for a while, as was the case with both of our games, really, Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah both our games pretty, pretty strange. Yeah, so, uh, so good curling to everyone out there, and that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show wherever it is you get your podcast. Do the likes, ratings, comments always helps uh, beat those algorithms, helps other people to find the show. Of course, you can follow along on social media at Game of Stones Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and head on over to GameofStonesPod.com where you can find all of our past episodes, plus the merch tab with the hoodies scott you're still enjoying your hoodie yeah still liking the hoodie uh feeling cozy that's good that's good and a special shout out to andrew farrell who's trying to bankrupt us by putting in a big order yeah yeah we made a a pretty good donation to the sandra schmirler foundation yesterday yeah, so uh, thanks to Andrew for his support on that. And of course, with all of the products that are up there, we are donating proceeds to either the Sandra Schmirler Foundation or Food Banks Canada, depending on what you buy, the t-shirts or Food Banks Canada, everything else up there is Sandra Schmirler Foundation. We are matching all of the proceeds. So uh, a sizable donation Scott put in yesterday after Andrew put in his order. So uh, so again, thanks to Andrew and to everyone who has purchased some of the merch. And of course, as always, you can let us know what you want to hear on the show, Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com. Always love hearing from everybody. As maybe we'll need some ideas over the next few weeks, Scott, because I'm going to be flying solo potentially here. Yeah, I, I will try to catch some stuff, but uh, yeah, you might you might be on your own there, bud. Yeah, so uh, we haven't looked at our production schedule in a couple of weeks, so we'll figure it all out. But regardless, if Scott's here, one of us, something will be here for you to listen to, and uh, hopefully it'll be good. So uh, keep an eye out on the feed, and we will certainly be back with you with something new next week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.